Hello and welcome to the Mindful Commerce Podcast, a place where we talk to e-commerce brands, service providers and developers who care about protecting our planet. I'm Chrissy, And I'm Rich and we're your hosts. The podcast is an extension of the Mindful Commerce community. The Mindful Commerce community is a safe place for e-commerce brands and experts to connect, collaborate and explore opportunities to work together to unleash the power of e-commerce as a force for good. You can join by going to mindfulcommerce.io and clicking community. See you there. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of the Mindful Commerce podcast. Um, so this is going to be slightly different. We are re-uploading or uploading events that we have done in the community and today this is an event we did in January so the beginning of this year 2021 with a kendo which is a customer review app for Shopify stores and brave the skies slash reverie boutique so we spoke to Scott um, just to get a little intro into what how Akendo came about and if you would like to hear more information about Reverie Boutique and Lucy Lucy's brand and Brave the Skies which is a Shopify plus agency that she is MD for then you can head to episode number four and we talk about the intersection between e-commerce and sustainability. Anyway let's get to the event then. So this is all about how online stores can create better connections um, with their customers. And we talk about user-generated content, influencer marketing, um, reviews, obviously, with a kendo, and email marketing as well, and how you can combine all of those together to create the perfect strategy to connect with your customers on another level. Um, and in particular, we talk about this from a perspective of a small brand with not um, such a big budget, so hopefully this will really help you to create your new strategy for um, the year going forward. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy. If you like it, please subscribe um, join the community so that you can um, be aware of these events and join them uh, as they are actually happening live. And you can ask your own questions. So let's now go and speak to Scott. Hey guys, so I'm Scott, I'm a Kendo's APAC and EU UK market lead and I've been tasked to kind of give you some background into Akendo's fruition, what's our story, how did we come about. So Akendo is a, is a Sydney founded uh, tech, tech startup. Uh, the idea or concept that started the, the journey was actually to do video reviews. Now obviously that has evolved a lot since since that concept um, but at that time text reviews was the standard there was nothing else so we saw uh, an avenue to do video reviews um, and now you know we're in 2000 uh, sorry 2021 we do text we do video we do photos we do q a um, and we integrate with a wealth of different shopify part, uh, partners out there uh, across loyalty email uh, subscription those types of things so you know, we, we now service 3,000 customers, over 3,000 customers. We're a Shopify Plus partner, um, and we have some of the world's biggest brands on our, on our platform. So it's a super exciting time. Um, we strength to strength, growth to growth, milestone to milestone. Everything changes every day. Um, but we, with all these positive changes, you know, we do need to be wary of 
the effect that we're having on the, on the earth. And so we need to support sustainable culture, support sustainable brands. And we are definitely seeing a very, very positive trend of this with merchants who use a kendo. So we have some amazing brands who very much pioneer this um, and, and we're very happy to support them. So I've been tasked to kind of speak to two different, I guess, tips on, on how sustainable brands can use a kendo and facilitate that review capture. So the first one is actually a, a, a fantastic initiative, which a brand called um, Gobe um, is an Australian um, camera gear or manufacturer. Uh, and what they do is, uh, so they they run loyalty line and basically with every review that they capture, you get loyalty points. And then what they were doing is they would assign loyalty, uh, X amount of loyalty points equals planting three trees. So for every review that we were getting, Mago was was giving back to the community, giving back to the earth and planting trees. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. You know, that it doesn't pigeonhole you to just doing trees. It can be giving back to charities. It can be whatever you'd like. But that's a super easy way to give back. It's a super easy way for all your customers to be involved. Uh, I, th I think that's fantastic. The second idea which I see um, brands doing, and, and the one that I want to speak about is called Activated Eco, another Australian brand. Kudos to them down in uh, Victoria. Um, but basically what they do is, is they, uh, I guess their pioneering product is stainless steel pegs. Super simple, but game changing. No longer are they, uh, you know, breaking plastic pegs, the sun damage, you know, have to repurchase them every six months. You buy once, you have them for the rest of your life. So what they're doing is they're collecting that content of photos of just clothes hanging up, but it's people's everyday experiences. And they're using that for retargeting ads across social media, organic posts, and it's showcasing their five-star experience with some um, personal UGC content. And that's going a long, long way in, I guess, showcasing the use case scenario for that product. It's a no-brainer, right? But also showcasing real experiences with that product. So, it, you know, it's, in doing, it's doing incredibly well for them. Um, and we're big supporters of both those brands. Uh, and, and we'd love to see, and we do have many more brands doing different things out there like that. Thanks. Thank you so much, Scott. That was great. Really interesting to hear how sustainable brands are using a kendo to their advantage and also for the planet. So thank you so much. OK, now we are going to go straight into the event. Welcome, everybody. Um, thank you very much for coming. I'm Chrissy, and I am one of the two co-founders from Mindful Commerce. Uh, Rich couldn't attend, but he said hi. Uh, Mindful Commerce is a community of e-commerce brands, service providers and developers who share a common goal. Um, and that goal is to make e-commerce more sustainable and positively impactful. So we have a Facebook group, a Slack channel and an expert directory. And some of you are already in the community and that's great to see you. Um, and Kat is our marketing whiz and she's going to be co-hosting with me today. This event is casual, relaxed, and collaborative. It's just a nice conversation between nice people. Um, if you want to unmute, unmute and say whatever um, within reason. Um, but there will be some time for Q&A at the end. Over to you, Kat. Okay, thank you so much, Chrissy. So um, yeah, as Chrissy said, I'm, uh, I'm Kat and I help out with some marketing some stuff for Mindful Commerce, something that I'm super happy to be involved with. I'm absolutely loving everything that I'm seeing in the community at the moment and how it's growing, especially kind of in the, in the wake of 
the crazy year that was 2020, um, there's been like a huge um, growth and interest in, in, in this. So it's been really lovely to see the community kind of really growing legs and taking off. Um, just to give you a little bit about my background, I'm actually ex Shopify. So I worked on the partner program at Shopify for three years, um, ran lots of their events for them. Um, got super into the world of e-commerce and um, then eventually decided to go freelance as a copywriter and content creator but I'm still very much working within the realms of e-commerce and SaaS so that's my bag um, but obviously really interested in sustainability and, and making the industry as green as possible too. So without further ado we will introduce um, our uh, amazing panelists today. We're super duper happy to have um, them join us for this event. Um, so first of all, we'll say hello to Lucy. So Lucy is not only the MD of a Shopify Plus agency called Brave the Skies, who are on a mission to create, launch and grow online stores with their expert crew of very skilled designers, marketers and developers. Um, she's also the founder of an online boutique called Reverie, um, which is a really luxurious, sustainable um, vegan brand. Um, really recommend checking them out if you haven't already. Chrissy, I think, is repping some of the jewellery today very subtly. <laughs> Uh, so she really knows her stuff when it comes to creating these customer connections in e-commerce and um, most importantly within the sustainable e-commerce space. Um, and also joining us today we have Rachel from Akendo. Hi Rachel. Um, Rachel is VP of Partnerships at Akendo. And we're incredibly grateful that she's joined us because it's very early in the morning where she is. Um, uh, Akendo, as you will know, is a customer review app for Shopify stores, um, but it's more than just a customer review app to us at Mindful Commerce. Um, we think they have like a sort of secret superpower for sustainability and fighting climate change um, because Akendo not only um, creates great customer connections through reviews and some fantastic integrations, which Rachel will talk about, they also help tackle one of the biggest issues in e-commerce um, when it comes to carbon emissions, which is returns. Um, so Jerry McGovern gave us a crazy stat the other day that it would take 1.5 billion trees to be planted to deal with the annual e-commerce returns in the US alone in terms of carbon emissions. So yeah, reducing the number of returns is making e-commerce more sustainable. And by having that user-generated content, those reviews embedded in your site, people are able to make better choices, more informed choices about the, um, the items that they're buying. And hopefully this leads to fewer returns. Um, Kendo is used by some really great sustainable brands like Finisterre and WAG, um, and they enable customers to sort of show how the products really are, you know, so how they fit into their, their life, um, helping people buy the right, the right thing the first time. Um, so we have set up this event today. Um, it's the first event of the of the year for uh, Mindful Commerce, the first of many we're hoping. We're going to be running these throughout the year and they are very much a community focused event. We want to make sure that we are providing you guys with the content that you're looking for. Um, and so with regard to that, um, when we uh, set about trying to set up this first January event. We polled um, the community in the Facebook group, which you should all be hopefully lovely active members of. Um, and loud and clear, you told us that what you wanted to hear about was customer connections. Um, and we kind of had a sneaking suspicion that it might, like the topic might be something kind of along those lines because we've been talking about this quite a lot kind of behind the scenes and customer connection really matters more um, in 20. Um, 21 than it, than it ever has before. I think the pandemic has really accelerated e-commerce. Um, you may have seen some stats flying around that e-commerce has grown more in the, it, it's basically had like five years growth in one year um, in terms of how it has been accelerated by the demands placed upon it by the pandemic. Um, and customer expectations have also kind of been um, accelerated in line with that. 
So it's a really great area to invest your time and resources in, um, in terms of creating those those lasting, more authentic, deeper connections with your customers. Um, we all know that retention is more cost-effective than acquisition um, and loyal, engaged customers are generating higher AOVs and have better purchase, purchase latency stats, et cetera. So all in all, um, brands are looking to really create those, yeah, those deeper and more reliable connections with their customers going forward into this year. So yeah, great topic. Thanks for choosing it, guys. Um, and once again, we are super, super honoured to have um, Rachel and Lucy joining us to talk about customer connection from um, their own experiences. So without further ado, I will pass over to Chrissy, who I think is going to kick us off with a few questions. Um, we'll have questions for a while and then we will um, take Q&A from the floor. Over to you, Chrissy. Thank you so much, Kat. That was awesome. Um, so Rachel, um, can you tell us about like some more about Akendo and how customers can leverage the tool to create better customer connections? Yeah, sure. So Akendo is a Shopify specific customer marketing platform. We work with about 2000 fast growing D2C brands and we're really focused on helping them in their marketing um, across the board. So not just reviews, but how can we leverage your social proof? to improve each, each area of your business or all the channels that you're marketing from. So I think a, a really important thing is that we know reviews increase conversion on site. Um, probably all of us on this group chat um, look at reviews before we're purchasing a product. And the stat is 93% of people will read reviews before they purchase something. And it's just showing you that there's credibility there and you've got that social proof. Okay, these people like this product, so I probably will too. It really puts our mind at ease when we're used to going into a retail store and maybe looking at some clothing, trying it on, having that self-experience, um, which we can't have anymore unless we're purchasing a product with the intention of maybe returning it later, which of course we don't want it to do. Not sustainable. We don't want, to, um, we don't want those carbon emissions. So by reading other people's feedback, we're able to sort of simulate that experience. But beyond that, it allows you to sort of create these connections with your audience. And with a lot of the brands that we work with, we see them using reviews as a tool to leverage to actually speak directly to your customer and allow your customer to speak back to you. So we work with um, a company called Wanderer Bracelets. I'll share my screen here. But yep. they are a sustainable brand that employs Balinese artists to make these custom bracelets. Um, and they pay the Balinese artists a fair wage that allows them to support their family. So reading through these reviews, it's so interesting to me because I'm able to connect with the person um, and their reviews. So this lady, Tiffany, yeah. She ordered them for her girls um, and her friend ordered the same co coordinates for the boys for the preschool that they went to and they're all best friends. So all of a sudden I'm having this deeper connection with the brand and with the product when I'm able to submit and let them know um, why or why I bought the product and how I feel about it. Um, and then me as a, a reader or us reading together we're able to see how personal um, and how beautiful the stories are there. So it's really helping to build out those connections that we're feeling with the brand. Ah, okay, great. So it's all about showing what your current customers um, think of 
your products and then how how does that help you to connect with new customers for example mm -hmm. so you can use those um you, the ugc's so these generated content or the review content in your marketing as well so you can push uh the star ratings through to google product listing ads and they're we know that if you're shopping, your Google Shopping ad has stars on the bottom, people are going to be more likely to click through than if it doesn't. So that can help draw more customers in. Or you can also leverage the user-generated photo or video content for your other marketing campaigns. So um, in my decade of experience in Facebook media buying before I moved into partnerships, the highest converting ad creative was always the scrappy UGC. So I'd put together like UGC video, taking little sound bites of people saying how they love the product, how they use the product, what they think of it. Um, and then you chop all that together to make this really kind of like scrappy, but short, sharp and entertaining user-generated content mashup clip. Um, and when you're using that across Facebook or Instagram marketing, it often feels more real and more believable and more compelling and it's more natural in the setting that you're showing it because we're used to having our friends like talking to the camera or the celebrities that we follow whatever it is kind of scrappy um, so if we're presenting something back that feels natural on that platform sometimes it, it gets more attention and and because it feels real you're also more likely to be building that the credibility and the trust side of things too yeah, definitely. I think I'm like the kind of person who say, for example, I'm on an online store and I've seen a product that I quite like. I'll always go to something like Instagram and look for real life people that are wearing that product, using that product and kind of putting myself in that person's shoes or the item that I'm looking at and just thinking, how do I relate to this person? Um, are they, you know, a similar type of person? What are they doing? Are they outdoors? Um, which is the kind of person I am. I like to be outdoors. And yeah, so it's like, I'll relate to it more um, and probably want to buy it if I can see someone in real life using it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, so with Akendo, um, I'm pretty sure you have, you work with another app which helps with that. Can you talk a bit about that one? <laughs> yeah, sure. So we work really well alongside 460. So they are a UGC platform that allows you to curate images that you're tagged in um, on Instagram and show those on your site. I can show you as well on the same mm -hmm. example of what it looks like. Um, so 460 is this here. Um, and it has all of these images that people have tagged us on on Instagram. And then you're able to go in um, and you can actually shop that product from within the image. Uh, and then you've got the Akendo five-star ratings kind of being pulled through here to add that little bit of social proof. So mm -hmm. it's pretty nice to be able to use those together. Really compelling. You can put it anywhere on your site. And then, of course, you as a brand own any of the imagery or any of the content submitted via 460 or via uh, Akendo. And so you can use it to leverage um, your products across other marketing campaigns too. That's really cool. I'm just thinking about like people in the audience and <laughs> the businesses that they've got. And um, yeah, that sounds really great. But with the um, user-generated content, sorry, I'm still talking about that. 
um, can you kind of say if someone's tagged you in something you're not very happy with and you're like, my, my target audience won't relate to that, can you not accept it? Yeah, absolutely. So on the Akendo side, you might get a review um, that has an image alongside it and you really love the review, you love the story in it or it's just great content, but this image maybe isn't on brand. Um, so it's super easy for you to hide that image and then publish the review. And you can also set up automations in the back end so that all of your four or five star reviews that have positive sentiment get automatically published. So it's one less thing for you to do. Uh, but maybe if it's a four or five star review with a photo, it doesn't get automatically published. So you have control to really maintain that brand image. Uh, and the same thing for 460 on that UGC side. You curate everything in the back end um, before it goes live on your site. So there are no mishaps of someone showing <laughs> their new underwear that maybe isn't really on brand for you. Okay, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> um, Lucy. I have a question for you um, yes. related to UGC. Um, I think you are a big fan of micro-influencers and big fan. related. So do you want to talk about that and introduce um, what you're up to? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think um, I absolutely love the whole concept of user-generated content. I think it's so smart. I think there are some brands who just use it so, so well. Um, a personal favorite of mine, and I think Rachel's probably heard of them as well because they're an Australian brand, is Spell and the Gypsy. Um, I'm not quite sure how many um, people on the call have heard of them, but if you haven't, like, please go and look at their Instagram page and their website immediately. They do UGC so well. A feature that I really love um, on their product pages is, you know how at the bottom of your standard econ product page, you'll have, you may also like, or as seen with, or as styles with, um, I'm seeing nods, that's great. Um, they also have a little bit where you can toggle to like as seen on Insta. And it's really that thing that Chrissy was talking about just there, which is you can see the product that you're looking at in like in real life situation. So it's not just on a five foot 11 size eight model. I'm five foot three and a half and like a solid size eight or 10. So that's really not relevant to me. But having those um, micro influencers, I suppose, who really become more like brand ambassadors for you as opposed to kind of having that influencer tag associated to them. They're uploading their content, they're sharing it, they love the brand and it really becomes like more of a cult following, which I think a lot of Australian brands um, do really well. So I used to work for a brand called Zimmerman um, and there was this insane cult following around the brand, like people couldn't get enough of it. Um, there's a few brands that we're working with um, at the moment at Brave Disguise, which is the agency which I run. Um, so, for example, Rixo and Kitry and like Girls Lay Boys have this really interactive conversation with their customers. Extend that like Girls Lay Boys are actually using their customer base to cast for their um, upcoming campaign. That the basically the tagline is "Show us your underwear" because they're a um, this is a really weird concept, but it worked really well for them. Um, their tagline is bed to street. Um, the idea is that you wear like oversized pajamas and you wear the pajama shirt tucked into your leggings and then you go to the shops like that. Um, the stuff is amazing quality. The brand is really cool. But everyone, all of their customers, especially ones who have really active social profiles, so specifically your Gen Z and millennials, have this really interesting 
interesting opportunity to become micro-influencers or almost brand ambassadors. Mm. Um, I could talk about this all day, so I'm probably going to let someone else talk um, and pass back oh. to you, Chrissy. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, how can we, if I'm a brand and I'm like, right, that sounds great. I want to find some micro-influencers and I want to generate some user-generated content. How can they find the right people to create these great customer connections that they can relate to? Um, I think if I could answer that one from more of a reverie standpoint, which is the brand which I started um, a couple of months ago, I've actually got these little cards. I'm just going to reach behind my computer. Don't mind me, guys. Sorry. <laughs> so all of the orders that I send out have like a little thank you card in. I don't know if you guys can see. Chrissy, you've seen a few of these. <laughs> Um, but essentially on it, it says, um, thank you so much. We sincerely hope you enjoy your purchase from Reverie. Um, please tag us on Instagram with um, a hashtag and our handle so we can follow your daydream too. So the whole messaging of the brand, um, Reverie is a fanciful state of musing or a daydream. So we've really built on this. I say we, it's myself and my fiance. He's definitely um, a really big part of like building the brand. Um, it's all about involving people in this concept of a daydream. So a lot of the brand messaging on Instagram and email is very much about let us follow your daydream, come and join our daydream. And it's really conversational. Um, and I find that um, when you're really authentic about your brand and you really kind of back yourself, and we do this with Brave Disguise as well, we have a really heavy space-themed brand with the agency. People really respond well to that. If you really back your own brand, people naturally want to buy into it and get involved. Um, and I think I've been um, really lucky with the kind of brand messaging um, for Reverie across social channels, so like Facebook and Instagram mainly. Um, it seems to attract really wonderful people um, who have really similar values, um, who really like the brand aesthetic, um, who naturally want to be part of the conversation and support a small business. And especially when you send a really nice order out with um, a really cute little card and I always write a handwritten message on the back to say, this is one of my favorite products too. I really hope you love it. And it's genuine. Um, and it's nice for people to like want to help and to want to share it and to spread the message. And I suppose in a way your customers become your micro influencers. Yeah, it's amazing. Every time we, well, I have made a few orders on Reverie and <laughs> also my partner got me a really nice Christmas present from there, which is this one. Um, yeah, we both went, oh, look, it's handwritten. It's really nice. Like you just connect to the brand and the person behind the brand. So it's not just about, you know, the, the necklace and jewelry is really nice, but it's nice to know that there's a person there and it's real and like sure. authentic. And yeah, I love it. Um, I was going to ask about the, sorry, I am going to ask you another question, Lucy. Um, <laughs> The conversation and how do you keep the conversation going from that lovely card over to social media um which kind of again coming back to the connections how does it help with engagement and how do you continue the conversation yeah that's that's a really good question um i think for a lot of customers the journey tends to start on social um especially when i think with Instagram's algorithm, for example, it changes all the time. Like I'm sure there's loads of you guys who are listening at the moment who have your own small page or small business that you're starting. Instagram's algorithm can really trip us up and it's super annoying. Yes. Um, at the moment, I think it's based quite heavily on whether or not somebody saves um, your images. So 
I try to make a lot of the images quite save friendly. So a really nice image that you might want to come back to later, like a nice shot of interiors. Um, everyone might notice how fantastic Rachel's background is. I've been lusting after this since the start of this call. Um, but I love sharing content that people um, find some kind of escapism in. Um, and I think that that starts to build a bit aesthetic for your brand. Um, so I find that there's a lot of customers um, who are always the ones who like everything on Instagram, who comment on everything on Instagram and same with Facebook. And I always reply to everybody. It's the thing that I've said since day one. I do, even if it's just an emoji, I want to reply to it and acknowledge that it's there. Because I think relationship where you're not just a faceless brand someone behind it like a lot of people message me now and say hey Lucy when's this coming back in stock I really like it mm -hmm. um and when that kind of continues on to the website for example if somebody places an order um I've got a really good memory it's one of my very few very strong skills <laughs> I'm really good at names um so I'll always remember if I see a name on an order I'm like I'm sure she's liked a couple of things on Instagram before I'll go back and check before I write the card um, and I've had this absolutely amazing um, woman who was the first person to follow me on Instagram who wasn't a family member or a friend. Um, she's called Elizabeth and I absolutely love her. And she likes everything. She shares everything. She comments on everything. She always buys candles. Um, and I actually did a post on Instagram, might have been last week or the week before. Um, but it was really, it was really authentic. And I just wanted to kind of appreciate her and give her something back and she always sends images from her Pinterest board that she thinks that I'd really like for the reverie feed um so I'd kind of done a bit of a story um and a Facebook post about how she was the first person who I didn't know who followed my page and how it's so nice that she's been there since day one um and just like celebrating that connection that I have with her I've never met her <laughs> obviously we've only ever messaged on Instagram but somehow we've had we've kind of built this amazing connection and almost a friendship just through her engagement with the tone of voice that I'm using on Instagram. And there's been a couple of people like her and um, I think Instagram can get quite a bad rep for being quite toxic, um, but I've had nothing but positive experiences through doing it for Reverie. Um, had an amazing call with a lovely girl in South Africa last Friday, we had a coffee, she's starting a brand. We had a nice chat about it. So I think the connections really come down to as well as everything that Rachel has said, which is obviously so valuable about the reviews, like collecting feedback, like simulating that in-store experience. It's just, for me, it's complete authenticity and just having a really, really honest tone of voice and speaking to someone as though they're in the same room as you, I guess. Yeah. It's a really long-winded answer again, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I love that. I love that though, because it's like, it's like, you know, everyone here, we don't, well, I've met Alice and Kat in, in real life, but, everybody else I've never probably never met you but I feel like we know each other and it's really nice and yeah <laughs> just wanted to say that um I, wasn't, I meant to tag you in this actually there was the I you know how we love a good tag on Instagram there was yeah. something which was it said um like normalize girls messaging each other on face on Facebook and Instagram oh. to be mates and oh, I was like, yes. <laughs> like like yeah it's amazing I love it yeah <laughs> especially at the moment you know, crazy times. It's nice to be able to connect to people still online. Thank you. Internet. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. And like me and Alice, Alice is in the audience. 
we met in Portugal on a surf trip and now we're reconnecting to do with business and brands and e-commerce and like she builds websites and it's just yeah it's great I love it um <laughs> did I mention that I love this <laughs> um so Kat do you want to ask some questions <laughs> yeah absolutely I do um so I was um thinking from what you were saying kind of that idea about saying starting up conversations about that kind of that two-way flow um that a connection necessitates by its very very nature um it's obviously so important it's a two-way street and I was just wondering um Rachel perhaps you could tell us a bit more about how brands can ensure that they're getting that right that idea of um of listening to customers as well as kind of initiating that conversation making sure that that connection is a is a two-way flow yeah definitely and I think there are a few really great platforms and ideas that you can have in your back pocket for that um, a way that Akendo allows you to connect with customers beyond the reviews is the QA section of the widget. So customers can actually directly ask you questions there and you can respond to them. Um, another really good tool that we love working with is Gorgeous. So Gorgeous, it allows you to collect any customer um, questions or concerns from multiple platforms and then you have them all in one place where you can respond to them. Uh, so I think being able to offer really great customer service in that way definitely helps you to grow your brand um, and create that bond with your audience, like Lucy mentioned. Um, another good way to use uh, customer feedback is by collecting information on your product and actually implementing that in your product strategy. So we have a client, Loose Kid, um, an Australian streetwear brand, that did just this, um, they were wanting to create the best leggings out there. And so they used, uh, let me show you what their widget looked like actually. So they used uh, a few different slider bars on their widget to collect information around the product quality, the design and the sizing. Um, so they actually went through many iterations of their product until they got to a level where almost all of these uh, product slider bars were hitting excellent. And it was super important to them that they were listening to what the customer wanted, what they thought of the current product, and then continuing to build upon that. So through doing that, they've been able to really gain that cult following. And they have an incredible product now um, that people are coming back to buy again in every color, which I think is always what you want as the brand. Uh, and they were able to also create those bonds with the customers um, and they incentivized. So when somebody gave them product feedback and spent their valuable time to do so, they'd offer a percentage of coupon for whatever else they wanted on the site. So I think that has really allowed them to grow into the brand that they are today. I love that. I think that's so cool. I want those sliders. <laughs> Can we talk about the sliders later, Rachel? Yeah, let's start offline. <laughs> I know um, that's something I write about as um, as a sort of technical uh, content writer at the moment is um, is audience segmentation and how that can be used. I know that's something that a lot of smaller brands kind of want to get started with. They know that they could be using their audience data like in a more um, informed and kind of strategic way and kind of really honing in on specific messaging for specific segments of their audience but maybe um, they just kind of haven't got it off the ground yet they haven't started um, but I'd love to hear maybe from either of you um, if you uh, have anything to say kind of about audience segmentation and what that can do to kind of strengthen that one-to-one -one, um, kind of 
connection that people feel with a brand. Yeah, I'd love to love to love to jump in here, Lucy, and then hand over. Go for it. Um, so I think being able to segment allows us to create these stronger one-to-one connections because I want to feel like a brand is talking to me about something that I'm interested in and something that affects me personally rather than just, hey, I'm one of your many thousand customers and I'm just another number. So a way that we allow our brands to do that through Okendo is through using our customer attributes to collect a bit of information on our audience and then we can sync that over into Klaviyo and use it in special ways. So I'll share my screen again to show an example. This is WAG. Um, They are a dog treats company that's made with natural and sustainable ingredients. Um, And they have been using our Klaviyo integration. So what that does is it allows you to sync all of this customer data into your Klaviyo or OmniSend customer data profile. Um, And then we can segment out based on the dog breed, the dog age, and the eating habits. And then Using those segments, WAG is able to uh, recommend specific products that are going to be right for that dog, for your pet. So uh, using that segmentation strategy, they were actually able to increase the revenue per recipient by about 430% just by speaking to that customer. Um, And then in another example here, we've got Herbivore, who is a cruelty-free and vegan brand that we work with. Um, And they actually collect information around skin type and skin concerns. So you can imagine like if I've got perhaps um, acne or dryness and I get an email that in the copy says, hey, um, help with like drying skin or in the um, subject line, whatever it may be. And it's something that actually relates to me or pertains to what I'm actually interested in solving then I've got more likelihood of clicking through and converting for that product because it, cut through, it cuts through the noise. Um, and we know that our email tends to get clogged up with a lot of noise. So if you're able to speak directly to that shopper, then you're more likely to build that connection there. Just speaking with my like content marketing hat on as well, like that, that could be really interesting in terms of the way that you structure your content marketing too, just knowing kind of which topics are going to land well, which ones to be promoting more to which segments, um, writing kind of buying guides and things like that must be very helpful to know kind of how your audience demographic is, is skewed across those different kind of attributes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Lucy, do you have anything to add from the marketing strategy side on segmentation? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I think, I think you pretty much covered it. I think um from kind of more of an established merchant perspective I think um something like a kendo which is what Rachel's obviously talking about is amazing having like that integration with Clavio as well is so powerful because you can start to target those segments with um automated workflows but um the agency side of me is like 100% that's the way to go but the reverie side of me doesn't have the budget to really have um a powerful like that in house because obviously it's all self-funded and you're a little bit more scrappy when you're a startup um so a lot of um the tools that I would use for my own brand as well would just be things like Facebook insights um Instagram business insights um uh, reveries built on the Shopify platform just on one of the pretty budget plans but you can still get a decent amount of um of data and understanding as to 
even if it's just gender split, like, you know, um, 70% female, largely between 25 and 35, even the most um, kind of basic bits of data I find can be really helpful, um, especially when you are a small brand and every pound that you're spending on stock or anything really <laughs> is very important. So for me, I've tried to very much build a picture of who the Reverie customer is. Um, I think there's roughly three personas and I do try to validate that with any bit of data that I can glean from any of the platforms that I use, but 100% the um, segmentation for those one-on-one conversations and connections is amazing. Um, Chrissy, we're getting some questions in this chat. Yes. Do you want us to chat about those or what yes. would you like to do? <laughs> so I was going to go to the question that Chris Butterworth just um, put in there, which is a brilliant question and I love it. Um, so we are talking about um, gathering data, all about your customers and like, but one thing that we talk about at Mindful Commerce is storing data and being really mindful about the data that you collect to kind of ensure that you need the data and that it's actually going to be useful. So um, Chris's question was, what are people's thoughts on the ethics of collecting all of his customer data to allow this almost one-on-one -on -one targeting? Um, so yeah, it's a great question and it's a rabbit hole that I go down often. So, uh, Chris, do you want to unmute and talk about that? <laughs> talk about your thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm a, I've just seen uh, Vicky's kind of response to it as well. Like if the, the customer voluntarily gives it, I mean... Um, I mean, obviously, as part of GDPR within the EU, um, obviously, you have to get consent or at least let people know that you are tracking. Mm -hmm. My concern is is that if, you know, how much data, you know, how much data that is collected is actually useful, um, not just from an ethical standpoint, but from a sustainable standpoint, obviously the more data you collect, the more data is transmitted, the more data is stored. Um, so it's kind of just to try and cover both of those areas really, and just to try and get kind of your thought, like people's thoughts on it, um, um, whether it is completely ethical or not. So, so um, just to like explain it a little bit more. So like you said, it's not just about the ethics of, you know, GDPR and stuff like that. It's about the more data that you store, the more impact it has on the planet and the more energy that you basically zap from the earth. And it's like, what Chris and I are saying is just be mindful of the data that you collect. Um, and then probably gonna ask someone like Lucy, um, what your thoughts are on that. And I guess you don't, because you're a small brand at Reverie, like you said, you don't collect much customer data, but say uh, a client at Brave the Skies, is it something that you might bring in conversation or do you just collect needless data? <laughs> um, I would potentially suggest that no data is useless or needless. Um, my, I have very strong views on not um, sharing data with other businesses that you haven't directly opted into. I hate it when that kind of thing, those damn T's and C's that you have to click to check out, that drives me mad. 
I hate hearing from businesses that I haven't directly signed up with. So if something like that does happen, I do make it a personal mission to find out who sold my data and then wage war with them. Um, but in the spirit of creating more meaningful connections with customers, offering a better service, offering more value, I think as long as you're using the data proactively that you have, and like you say, you're not just collecting data for the sake of collecting data, um, then I think ethically I'm on board with it as long as it's being used responsibly and in a way that genuinely benefits the customer and not the business, yeah. um, then I think it's a nice thing to be able to do because kind of tying back to everything um, that Kat and Rachel were talking about, like at the start of um, at the start of the chat, like having those better connections, being able to not necessarily sell a product better, but advise a customer better on things like the fit, things like whether or not based on your previous purchase and the previous data that we've collected, we're pretty sure we're actually 85% sure that the size eight is going to fit you. Then I think that that solves the problem uh, as well. So yeah. I think it's an, it's interesting. It's almost a bit of a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah. if we didn't have the data. We might create more returns, which might create more, yeah. more emissions. It's, like, it's like as, Rachel, help me out. <laughs> help me out, Rachel. No, no, this is, yeah, as SMPs or mid-sized enterprises, we're, the data we're collecting is only scratching the very surface. It's so insignificant compared to the billions of points of data that Facebook or Google stores on every single one of us. And as SMBs, we use that too. So all of the Facebook marketing targeting that we're using, which is very comprehensive and incredible um, and allows us to get in front of customers that are going to be interested in our products, that is stored somewhere and, and that's significantly more than like a couple yeah. of skin type questions that you might have on your reviews widget. Um, so I think that's like more of a consideration and there's certainly a line, you know, it's, it's always really creepy when I'm talking about back pain and my phone is sitting here and then I get ads on Instagram and I'm like, okay, back pain ads, come on. Like yeah. that's creepy. My phone wasn't even unlocked. So it's tricky, but that said, we're opting in for this. Every time we use Facebook or Instagram, like we have opted in to share all of our data with Facebook. So, you know, it, it's a, a definitely a gray area. It's really creepy as a consumer, um, but it's really fantastic as a marketer. Yeah, um, it's like Lucy said, it's definitely a double-edged. I think what Chris will say and what I will always say is, just please be mindful of the data that you collect and um, you know don't store it for too long if you find out that you don't need it or use it um, but but going back to like connections customer connections it can be really great if you can personalize things and it's it's like say for example you're using data to create an ad that's more relevant um, perhaps uh, that's okay um, but yeah, just be mindful. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Chris. I love that question. And I think we should do an entirely different event with me and you and Kat and anyone who wants to join about that. Um, so yeah, thank you. There's Absolutely. a really good question um, from oh. Rika as well that's just popped up in the chat um, about um, sensitive versus non-sensitive data, which I think is a really really interesting um, question because oh. I don't think there's any need for anyone to collect sensitive data I don't think um, I don't think marketers need it um, 
I think everything that Rachel was just saying is completely accurate. Like it is a marketer's dream to have access to loads of information and data about, you know, your age, your buying patterns, um, which device you shop on, that kind of thing. But I really can't find a use case for a marketer to need the full name of somebody, the full address of somebody. I don't think anything needs to be that specific. So if, if I was being targeted based on very sensitive data, like, you know, my exact age or my birthday or whatever, unless I'd specifically opted in because I wanted a 10% discount on my birthday, um, I would be pretty annoyed about that. So um, I would always say sensitive data is a no-no. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. Um, so again, thank you for really good questions. And I like that topic a lot. Um, and so shall we kind of go back to, um, I don't know, marketing and customer connections. So, um, Lucy, I was going to ask you, um, you mentioned something called opti channel marketing. And to be honest, oh, it's a good little buzzword, isn't it? It is. It's a new one. It's a new one. Even to me and Kat, we were like, what is it? <laughs> well, I'm a really fan of this um I've heard quite a few people talking about it recently um and I've um I was just mentioning um to you ladies before we jumped on the call um I've just started um as an associate lecturer on a uh, fashion course up in Newcastle at the university there um and one of the senior lecturers that I was speaking to was talking about um how they're talking to the students about the concept of opti-channel marketing and I was like I'm sorry I'm talking about what concept now like surely you mean omni-channel and she was like no I mean opti-channel like okay so I was doing a bit of research into it and the more I looked into it the more I thought this is actually so smart because there's very much this um of being an omni-channel retailer and you're everywhere where your customer is and your brand is everywhere um but this concept of opti-channel marketing is more about optimizing your brand and your tone of voice and your message for the channel that you're operating on So you might speak to a slightly different set of customers who engage with you more on email marketing. So your tone of voice might be a little bit more salesy. It might be a little bit more, hey, you bought this, you might like this as well. Whereas your conversations on a social platform like Facebook or Instagram might be more about those one-on-one connections where you're kind of, you've got the same people commenting and messaging every time. So you can be a lot more, hey, I'm the face behind the brand. Let's have a chat. I'm really glad you like this image. What do you think about this? Um, so I really liked um, this idea of this opti-channel um, suggestion. So it's something that I've spoken to a couple of our clients about at the agency, and it seems to have struck a chord with a couple of them. Because um, I think you very much do present yourself and your brand in very different ways, depending on the circumstance. And it goes back to um, what Rachel was talking about before, which is more about customer segmentation. And there are certain segments of customers who respond really well, for example, to we've got a flash sale. It's the only time they're gonna buy is if there's a discount. But then you've got another section of customers who are incredibly brand loyal um, and anything you put out, they wanna buy because you have promised them that it's got your stamp of approval and they're just gonna buy it anyway. So I think this this concept of OptiChannel is actually, I think it's common sense for a lot of people and I think we do it anyway. Um, but I quite like that there's um that there's a name for it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going with it. <laughs> I love it. That's really cool. Yeah, I was just like, what, what is this? And Kat said, let's get her to give us the dirt. <laughs> um, 
feel free everything. to coin the term take it and run go for it yeah all right start saying <laughs> channel. i'll be an opti channel marketing agency <laughs> <laughs> i would um, like a revenue share of that please <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> um yeah rachel what do you have any thoughts on that have you ever heard of that concept before I haven't heard of that concept before, but it makes so much sense. I think um, when we were kind of getting used to SMS being a part of our structure, people or brands were worried about, okay, we're sending an email to this person and we're also sending them an SMS. Like, isn't that a bit much? Like, you know, we're, we're double handing this um, message, but being able to use the correct sort of address um, in SMS uh, is going to be really different to what you're using in email. And, you know, it's so shorthanded um, and sort of off the cuff and maybe you're throwing in a few emojis if you've got extra budget for SMS that month. Um, so it's a really different way of messaging someone and both are, you know, equally valuable. Yeah. Yeah, Chris is throwing me a curveball here. It doesn't seem like he's on board with Opti Channel, oh, which I'm pretty upset about. Really? <laughs> no, no, sorry. This this is oh. purely because I'm, I come from like uh, I come from like a brand background. So like a lot of the work that I've done is basically been all about kind of consistent brand experience and kind of brand strategy and that sort of side of things. So kind of chase changing your voice depending on the medium is a little bit odd. To me, purely because yeah. I would think I, about it as something where it's completely consistent in terms of tone of voice and everything like that. So that's I, kind I of just totally, where it becomes a little bit odd. I, no, I totally get what you're saying. And I think I think you're totally right in that that all of your core values and your core messaging should always be the same. Um, but the way that I thought about it was um, I'm I'm the same person as an individual. I've, I'm very much the same person in every situation, but... I definitely have a phone voice. Um, I'm definitely extra polite when I'm around my parents' friends. I'm definitely a little bit more of a wine girl when I'm with my girlfriends. And I'm, to be honest, a bit of a loose cannon with my fiance, but I'm still the same person all around. And I think you naturally have slight different versions of yourself, even though you're still the same, you're still kind of the same base person. It's still the same brand. Um, you just act ever so slightly differently depending on your environment so I'm going to go with that metaphor I think it works that's such a great metaphor as well that is absolutely amazing yeah I kind of didn't really even really think about it that way that is so good yes Vicky Smith thank you so much (laughs) yeah um we have a a question from Bridget as well in the um in the uh the Q&A uh, I'll read it out. Um, so Bridget says that she has a strategy on marketing, a question on marketing strategy. They recently launched sustainability Shopify tool for fashion retailers. We know that consumers are interested in sustainability ratings, but our tool is a B2B product. Any tips on how we can get in touch with the right type of retailers? Oh, that is an awesome question. Um, first of all, I would love to hear about it because I'm sure yes. there's a merchant that we work with and that Chrissy works with at her agency and that I work with. Um, hundred percent. I'd love to hear um, more about that. Um, Bridget, I'm actually going to drop my email address in the chat. So for sure, I'd love to hear more about that. Thank you. (laughs) That's what we're here for. We only launched about a month ago and we've got some traction, but we put so much work into it. Um, Really, I guess, 
you know, the more work we put in, the more we thought we were just going to blow up as soon as we launched. But <laughs> I guess things are harder once uh, you're in the real world. So um, just trying to reach out to brands, because I know a lot of, you know, a lot of consumers will be interested in seeing this, but it's just sort of highlighting the need to retailers and trying to get in touch with the right people because Shopify is so vast. Um, but yeah, it's a, great, sure. it's, a, it's a good tool. And we really thought of all the hypotheticals, you know, like, what if, what if this, what if that? So the tool has a lot of flexibility, but in doing that, I worry that uh, we've made our marketing more complicated. Um, so yeah, please let me know if anyone's interested. For sure. I mean, I'd, I'd love a demo of it anyway. Like yeah. maybe we could um, connect and kind of chat about it more like say. Um, um, just great. from my experience in the agency, I always find that, um, well, for example, I went down and met uh, Rixo, which is a brand that we launched on Shopify Plus uh, middle of last year. Yeah, um, I love as Rixo. As part of their discovery, I'm such a fan. Um, as part of their discovery, I kept saying to them, like, what about sustainability? What are you guys doing there? I mean, you sell... 350 pound viscose dresses like made in yeah. China what's the message like where's that price coming from um and I don't think the founders were really expecting somebody to ask a question like that I think um they have enough of a cult following that the dresses sell themselves um but we ended up doing a really big section on the site about meet the makers um and like who's actually designed the clothes where they're being made like where the factories are what the factories specialize in um and I think um that the more you almost propose the tool to brands, even brands who aren't actively doing anything on sustainability on their websites, they naturally want to be associated with it because most of them are thinking about it. They're just not doing anything about it. Yeah. Um, I always think those kind of Rixos, Kitrees, like Girls, Lay Boys, um, independently owned, small, medium-sized businesses, I think they're going to be your bread and butter for a tool like that on Shopify for sure. Um, and I'd be more than happy to Kind of help in any way I can and like get you connected with merchants like that that would be great yes please yeah uh, so oh, wait, go on. I was just gonna say um well I know what the app's called but can you tell everyone what the app is called of course, um, yeah some brands in here that's just an, another example of how marketing is not my uh <laughs> but um yeah it's called the fashion impact tool um so yeah I have a data science background it's not actually my main job it's a hobby that we started um in March when the first lockdown hit and then my husband is a programmer for Shopify tools so yeah it's obviously a passion of ours so we launched it in December in the end um, and yeah really hoping to get some traction on it and you know because it's a business to business product I guess it makes the marketing a little bit more complicated for us we're used to being at the butt end of business to consumer marketing so we know you know how we're you know we receive that so we know those kind of strategies at a basic level um, but we are out of our depth, I guess, a little bit when it comes to business to business marketing. But platforms like this are so helpful and I'm really enjoying this. So. Um, well, Bridget, I would just say if you can get some data and metrics around how the app helps the store, then that becomes really compelling. Um, for me, like I really love LinkedIn for reaching out to brands. I think like the SMB area is a really good place to start and get those early adopters on the board, get more data and metrics, and then even working with agencies. I mean, being in partnerships, I know that if I make friends with a great agency and show them with my show them my product, it's way better use of my time than going out to each uh, company individually. So I think that would be a strong sell for you, especially if you're looking at agencies that are focused on ethical 
um, marketing or ethical development. So there are those agencies that are specializing in that space. Um, and then for me, if anyone's interested in learning more about Akendo, um, I will drop my email in the chat. Happy to do a demo with you or chat more about your marketing strategy. Uh, and thank you so much, Chrissy, for inviting me to share some time with you all today. You're very welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, yes, uh, Lucy, <laughs> do you want to say? <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had a great time. Like this has been so much fun. It's been I feel like it's been a lovely, like relaxed conversation. It's been great to see some new faces and put some faces to names. Um, I dropped my email in the chat as well, but if anybody ever needs any advice or anything on like startup brands or anything Shopify or e-com related, um, just drop me an email. I'm always happy to help um, or LinkedIn is cool too. Um, and everyone make sure you're following Reverie the Boutique on Instagram and, sh and save everything. Let's be the algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I know that that helped. I'll save everything as well. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Um, There'll be lots more events like this, I hope, and people like Bridget and everybody who are in the e-commerce space, this is a place to connect and yeah, loved it. Thank you so much. Um, thank you very much to our panelists, Rachel, Lucy, and Chris, and, and Bridget for coming on in. And Chrissy um, and Kat. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if you're not a member of the Mindful Commerce community yet, please, please join us uh, if you're interested in e-commerce sustainability and um, helping to make e-commerce world more positively impactful. Um, and also, don't forget to have a look at our brand new Mindful Commerce directories listing or all the experts, including Akendo, um, and you can learn a bit more about them on there. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great this is the first event I've ever done like this so yeah thank you again thank you awesome it's so and nice to meet you all that we'll create a space to kind of continue this discussion on the mindful commerce community on the Facebook group so if people do want to kind of have a space to connect or raise any issues that or questions that they had that kind of grew out of the conversation that they've heard today if you want to carry on the conversation then that's very much what the mindful commerce community is all about so we will make sure that there's a clearly identified um thread in the facebook group for you to get yeah. yeah and um as well so a little task to take away just think about what you're going to do to create better connections with your customers this year and then let us know you know on instagram whatever um tag us and yeah let's start a conversation fantastic thanks ever so much everybody thank you everyone thanks guys Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, you'll probably like being in our community. There's a whole host of exciting things going on. So don't forget to join by going to mindfulcommerce.io. Click on community and register from there. If you like this episode, please share, leave a review and remember to subscribe.